Gary DePaul with Unlabeled Leadership. Welcome to episode 23, Sima Lieberman Elevates Culture with Diversity, Equity, and Inclusion. This is going to be a good one, so let's get started. On my Twitter feed, at Gary DePaul, I share professional resources related to leadership, talent development, diversity and inclusion, and human resources. These can be videos, blogs, articles, infographics, podcasts, various recordings, and even white papers and reports. Well, for the past year or so, I kept running into these blogs by Sima Liberman, who calls herself the inclusionist. A little later, I ran into her podcast, well, not physically, but, you know, discovered her podcast, Everyday Conversations on Race for Everyday People. That's the title. And I thought after listening to some of them that Sima was going to be my go-to expert on diversity, equity, and inclusion. In fact, I invited Sima to be on the show just to identify or explain those three terms and help me get a better picture for what they mean. Part one, debunking the need for similar people. When you're in an organization that is diverse, well, what does that mean? Years ago, or maybe not so many years ago, if I asked that question, someone might describe their company as having employees of different races. But of course, diversity isn't just race. I thought, what a better way of getting at this than asking Sima. So here's Sima talking about this. Well, I think about diversity as all, I mean all, the differences and similarities that people bring, if we look at at work, people bring to the work environment and all the ensuing complexities that go along with that. And that definition is from the late Roosevelt Thomas, who I guess is one of the founding people you could say about the concept of diversity. Because a lot of times there's a misconception about diversity. People think that diversity only means people of color. It only means LGBT. But diversity itself includes everybody because we all bring differences to the work environment. And those differences actually help us find the similarities with other people. So that's what, that's what we mean when we talk about actual diversity. And now when we take it further and you look at like how do organizations benefit from diversity, they benefit from all the differences and similarities. But if you don't have enough diversity, then the organization oftentimes gets a, has a very narrow focus and is not as creative. You know, it's interesting. One of the first guests I had was Judy Hale, who's a performance consultant. Her whole talk was about finding the brown suit. She was referencing back to her father when her father would go into a, a business. And when she would go into a business, she always looked and he always looked for the brown suit. Back then, everyone had black or blue, dark blue, navy blue suits. And the brown suit was your sign that there's some diver diversification in the company. Oh, wow. That's interesting because I never would have thought about it at, at that at that level. 
if you have people that are thinking like you, and it doesn't necessarily, like you said, relate to race, then you're going to have homogenous, uh, <laughs> homogenous. Thank uh, you. Uh, I couldn't get the yeah. word out. A homogeneity or something like that. Yeah, yeah. Instead of heterogeneous. Would you agree? It hurts creativity. Yeah, it hurts creativity. It's kind of boring too, from personal, you know, from my own point of view. When you look at like the world, the world is very diverse. And if you're a business, you want to be able to do business with all different kinds of people. Plus, if you also look at life from a social justice point of view, where you want everybody to be able to do their best work without any obstacles, then you have to look at diversity, what it is, and go beyond just what it looks like, but what you do with it also. A lot of times organizations don't know how to do that. They only look at diversity in terms of representation or they say things like, well, we need some more diverse candidates. And that's just really usually a euphemism for like people of color or maybe sometimes the LGBT people. Everybody's a diverse candidate. However, you would want to say we want a more diverse population or we want a more diverse recruiting pool or more diverse workforce if everybody looks the same, no matter what it is. How would you characterize the benefits by having a diverse organization? I have to put a little caveat in that, that yes, there's been lots of studies that say in a diverse organization, people solve problems quicker. Uh, they find more creative ways to solve those problems. They come up with more uh, creative services and products. But that really happens when people get to know each other, when people feel included and they get to know each other because diversity just for diversity's sake Whereas hopefully people will take time to get to know each other, but if they don't and they come into an organization and they have biases and don't really understand people who are different, then they tend to still congregate in silos and all they go on, all they treat each other is just like what they've been told about different types of people. And they end up congregating in silos, either maybe in job function or just in terms of how they work together. So you want to have diversity, but then you also want to create and you have to have a culture of inclusion where people feel included and where there are opportunities where people actually work together and get to know each other and are able to have meaningful conversations. I get it. The better you know someone, the more likely you are to dispel myths and you can connect with those people, whether it's yeah. your meaning your teammates and your boss and even the groups that you work with. So all those other people that are surrounding you, you have a better connection when you really understand who they are, where they're coming from, kind of how they view problems. I can see because of that, I might go to, well, like this episode. I know that you're my DE&I expert and I know I can go to you and say, hey, help me out with this. You know? When, anytime. Anytime, anytime. yeah. yeah. Part two, you need more than equal access. In large organizations, the concept of having a diversity and inclusion department, DNI department, is relatively new, as well as having a chief diversity and inclusion officer. But last year was the first year I heard of DEI. I thought, what's DEI? And of course, it means diversity, equity, and inclusion. And the whole concept of equity, it's really come out in the last, I don't know, six, six, eight months. 
Well, equity is not equality, and equality is not equity. They're two completely different things, but they're related. Anyway, I needed some help, and I asked Sima, what is equity? How is it related to equality? Here she is. When you have equality, it's you're giving everybody the same resources to succeed, or you're giving everybody like the same, like equal, equal, right, right now we're looking at healthcare, right? So we're looking yeah. at COVID and we know that there's a lot of inequality in healthcare. Oftentimes white people and white affluent people have more access to better healthcare than lower income people and people of color. If you go into a hospital or a doctor's office, and most people are white, there's a good chance, I'm not saying all the time, but there's more likelihood that people are gonna have certain kind of biases and certain kind of biases that exist in the medical profession. Like there was a, a bias where oftentimes people thought and acted this out that black people had a higher pain tolerance. So therefore they didn't need as much pain medication or they didn't need as much heart medication, which is, Definitely not true. But, but because of that bias, you're yes. having some medical professionals who, even though this employee from the company has the same access to doctors, is not getting the same level of health care. Absolutely. That, absolutely. So when equality, though, when you look at like, okay, we say, well, we have equality. Everybody has the same access. Maybe everybody has the same tools to succeed, like in an organization. Maybe everybody has the same pens, everybody has the same pencils, everybody has the same software. So that's a good thing. However, everybody may not be able to access that software or access those tools the same way, because there may be some other obstacles, maybe some issues, there may be different ways that people learn, so they're not able to do that. So where equity comes in is that you look at what does, what does, what does, what does this person need in order to be able to do their best work? What do they need to actually be able to access that equality? And that's where that's where equity comes in, where you're looking at what does each person need? What does each group, but also what does each person need? For instance, um, say somebody is in a wheelchair um, and you say, well, everybody has access to the second floor. And the second floor is where we have the luxury, all the luxury items or the, all the best computers, all the best technology. But so you say, okay, everybody has access to it. But if you're in a wheelchair, you can't get up there. So if we're looking at equity, we're looking at, okay, what do we need to do? Do we need to have like a chairlift? Do we need to have an elevator? What do we need to do so that everybody can actually access that? Yeah, I, I, I'm going to take that concept just a little bit further and say that to get to the second floor, you have to go up these stairs, but there's also this ramp that you can use. So in the mind of the owners, they say, we have given everyone equal access, but the guy in the wheelchair, it takes them longer to get to the second floor. And so if that's the break area. He may have only about five minutes of a break because it takes five minutes to get there and five minutes to get back. You know, that's an excellent example. You know, the other thing is too, like the way people learn, not everybody learns the same way. So you could say, well, everybody gets the same exact instruction. What if somebody has a different way of learning? What if somebody 
is like the, the Asperger scale, what if, or the autism scale, what if somebody has ADD, what can you do to help that person get access to that information? Now, the, the information could be free and open to everybody, but what do we need to do to be able to give everybody that, that access so that they could do their best work once they get that access? Yeah, even if your English is your second language, that could, even though they have the same access of information, they may find it harder to interpret and understand that information. Exactly. I have ADD. I mean, like real diagnosed ADD. I'm very kinesthetic. I might have access to the same information that somebody else has or the same manuals for figuring things out, but I have to be able to look at it step by step. I have to be able to practice using it where somebody else might say, hey, you just focus one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. And I try to explain, no, that's not going to help me. We may have the same information, but I've got to access it a little bit differently. And I might need a little bit of extra time. Yeah. But once I get it, I got it. You know, once I get it, it's in my brain, it's in my body, I understand it. But I may need a little extra time. And that will allow me not only to do my best work for me, but it's going to allow me to do my best work working with you. You know, you think of the Americans with Disabilities Act, giving accommodations is really about giving people the same level of access so you can have equity. Exactly, exactly, exactly. Part three, accessing their brilliance. What does it mean to be inclusive? Does it mean that I take your ideas into account? That I invite you and others to meetings? I'm sure that some people might want to be excluded from some of my meetings. But really, what does inclusion and being inclusive mean? Once again, here's Sima. You could have a lot of diversity where you look at visible diversity, you look at the organization. Wow, you know, you've got people from different different races, different ethnicities, you got you got people from different genders, and you say, hey, isn't that great? But what are you doing with that diversity? If you just have diversity, maybe it looks good in the company photo. If people aren't feeling included, if people don't have opportunities, if people don't connect, like I like the way you use the word connection, people don't, if people don't have those connections, they're not gonna stay, they're gonna leave. If they feel like, well, nobody really cares about me, so what the heck am I doing here? They're not gonna stay, they're gonna leave. So next year, you might take another company photo and you'll have diversity in the photo, but it's gonna be different people because people aren't gonna stay. So what happens then is you've lost out on a lot of potential employee genius. So inclusion is, what do you do to help people feel like, not only they're included, but that they belong and that you value their contributions. And so that if you have equity, you're providing opportunities for each person to contribute in the way that they contribute. For instance, oftentimes organizations will say, well, we wanna hear from everybody. So what we do is we have a town hall once a week and <laughs> everybody has a chance to talk. Or we have a brainstorming session and everybody has a chance to, to talk. But that works for people who are extroverts. It works for people whose English is their first language. It works for people who are willing to just throw out their thoughts. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, you know, and just throw it out. When that happens, though, you're only going to hear from a few people because I've had, I, I once had 
the CEO said to me, well, I don't understand. We have these big meetings and these people just don't contribute. And we brainstorm, we allow everybody to talk. And I said, yeah, but that's not how everybody contributes. So you have to know, how do you, so when you have an inclusive organization, you're looking at how do I access everybody's brilliance? How do I make them feel included that I can access their brilliance and show also that I value their brilliance? So an, an example would be like, in some, in some groups it might be better where rather than just have people throw out ideas to go around the room and have one person speak at a time. Some people may not even do that well in that situation or that not that they don't do that well, that not, that's not how they contribute. Some people may contribute one-on-one. -on -one. They're better if you're able to talk to them and get their ideas one-on-one. -on -one. Other people are better if, like when I do a workshop, sometimes I'll have people first write an idea down and no. then I'll have them share with another person and then we'll share in the large group. Because some people do better if you give them time to write. And that builds confidence for people who may not be so confident if you're just going around the room absolutely because some people won't won't speak i mean i was coaching somebody who was so i guess shy in a way and was very uncomfortable speaking out in a group and who was brilliant and so what we did was we started we said okay let's have everybody write down their ideas and then they talk about it with one other person and then they get used to hearing the voice and then they could talk about it in the bigger room. I mean, of course, when I was coaching uh -huh. this person, I coached, I had to also coach them on speaking out and speaking in front of people. We wanted to be able to access their brilliance and they act, we access their brilliance by giving them time to really think about it and to write it down. You know, you've given me some, a really neat way of looking at diversity and inclusion just now. And I'm thinking about an imaginary company full of white, male, heterosexual, Christian, Catholic Christians say, okay, we want to diversify. And they invite all these people from, from different backgrounds and different experiences and that look differently. But if they don't change the behaviors in the company, then all they're doing is they're tapping into the people that are already there. And it may, just like you're saying, alienate the other people and doesn't enable them to have the same voice as these, and voice meaning being able to communicate in the same way as the traditional people that were there. Right. Because if you do such things the same way and people say, well, we want everybody to feel comfortable, but you don't, you just want people to be just like you. And a lot of times people don't do things the way you do them. All these white guys who are like, you say they're all Catholic, white male, and they have certain ways, they have a culture that, and the way that they do things. So if you start bringing in women, what are you gonna to do to make people feel more comfortable? And it's more than just making people feel more comfortable. Is your culture open to, elevating itself or adjusting itself and changing because you can't just expect people you you want to be able to have a culture that also transforms itself so that the culture of everybody is reflected in your culture yeah it's not the responsibility of the people the sole responsibility of the people that you hire to reach out but as a company you need to find ways to connect and interact with people that are different from you and in a way that makes sense to them. So there's there's a lot of work that companies really need to do. 
there's a lot of work the companies need to do. I mean, Roosevelt Thomas, who I, I mentioned before, he wrote a book and has a video called, has a video called the, I think it was The Elephant and the Giraffe. I think that was the name of it. Okay. And it was about an elephant who was a woodworker and was getting so busy, but everything in the elephant house, I mean, every, I mean, the giraffe's house was, everything was tall and narrow so that the giraffe could do his best work and everything fit for the giraffe. The giraffe got really busy and said, well, I need some help. So there was another woodworker who was really excellent, who was an elephant. He calls the elephant and says, hey, come and work with me. Well, the elephant couldn't even get through the door. So the elephant's trying to get through the door. The door breaks, things start crashing down because the elephant couldn't fit into the giraffe's house until changes were made to make the elephant fit and be able to do the elephant's best work with the giraffe. Yeah, I love this story because I thought of something called universal design, where in that example, if I have to make special accommodations for someone else every time, that's that's maybe okay. But if I can change it so that everyone has the same access, you know, like like uh, door handles. If I'm in a, if I have some hand disabilities or if I have trouble with my arms in some way, if I change the change it from knobs to the handles to open up doors or have automatic doors, everyone has the same universal access without having to offer any new uh, accommodations. Exactly. Part four, take diversity to lunch. For organizations, adding a diversity and inclusion department or even adding a chief diversity and inclusion officer may be a great way of starting, but what can you do as an individual? How can you embrace diversity, equity, and inclusion? Well, I asked Simma, and here's what she had to say. Well, one thing I say is, I say take diversity to lunch. And what I mean by that is get to know somebody, start out by getting to know some of the people in your organization who are different than you. Go to lunch with people, talk about your lives, get to know each other, share with each other, look at all your, and, and know yourself. First start knowing yourself, like who are you? What are your multiple identities? Like what are your interests? Who are you beyond just what you can see? And then go out to lunch with somebody who's different than you, get to know them and also look for some, commonalities. And once you find some areas of connection, then it's easier to talk about differences and find out, you know, what, what does that person need in your organization? That's one thing. And also get to know how people, how to access people's brilliance. And, and by that, I mean, that's what I was talking about before that some people can brainstorm. Some people you want to go around the room, one, you know, one at a time. Some people it's one-on-one. Some people it's having people share in pairs. Some people it's, it's writing things down, but be able to use all, there's no one way. So use all those different ways to access people's brilliance. And once people start feeling comfortable participating, they are going to take risks that they weren't able to take before because they were, you know, maybe afraid or intimidated. People are going to start feeling more included in your organization and, and create opportunities for people to talk to each other. Besides you just talking to create opportunities for people to talk to each other. And also one of the first things I tell people is to create a hello inventory. Look at who you say hello to. Oftentimes in organizations, 
you have an organization where uh, the manager, and I've heard this so many times, only greets people who look like them or who they know. Mm. So be intentional. You have to be intentional and make sure that you start greeting and saying hello to people that don't look like you and that you don't know that well. And then ask them how they are and then shut up and be willing to listen to them if they say more than fine. And then ask them if you're their manager, just say, ask them about what they like about what the work that they do and ask them for any suggestions they have about what they need in order to be more effective. That just those things will make you feel more included. My thanks to Sima Lieberman. If you want to learn more about Sima, go to the show notes. You'll find links there to her, her website, Twitter feed, and some other things. If you have a question or comment, go to unlabelleadership.com, look for the message icon, and when you click it, you can leave a voicemail up to one minute. Maybe I'll play it on an episode. My thanks to those who support the show. Your contributions can help with equipment and upgrading software. But more importantly, I want to thank you for listening. Until next time, lead on.